Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermons Podcast. Today's sermon is brought to you by Bible teacher Lizzie Bailey and was recorded on Sunday, June 4th, 2023. And hey, if you're ever in the area, join us on Sunday on campus at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and come say hi in person. You can also follow us on Instagram at, at FaithBridge to see what goes on during the week. And as always, you can join us every Sunday for our online service called FaithBridge Live at faithbridge.org slash live. Here's Lizzie. Good morning, friends. So good to see you this morning. Welcome to you guys over in the communion venue and welcome online if you're watching as well. So glad to see you this morning. We made it through one week of summer. It's been good. Uh, Glad to see you this morning. We're gonna look at Acts 10 in just a moment. If you would like to follow along in an actual Bible, we'd be glad to loan you one. Our ushers are walking around with them. Just raise a hand and we'll be glad to give you one. If you don't own a Bible of your own, you can keep this as a gift. Um, We're gonna be looking in Acts. We've been journeying through Acts all year. And if you're new, uh, the book of Acts just tells us what God was up to after Jesus ascended back to the Father. He commissioned his followers to spread the gospel, to tell the world that he came, that he died, that he resurrected, that he is the way we are made right with our maker. And so he told them, you're in Jerusalem now, Go out, spread the word here, go into Samaria, Judea, and even into the uttermost parts of the world. He sent them to be his representatives, to carry on the mission. And they were doing it. The Jesus movement was growing. Uh, They were carrying on his works. They were healing. They were speaking truth. The Holy Spirit was with them. He was rescuing people. It was going great. But up to this point, they had mostly, almost entirely, Uh, gone to the Jewish people to talk about the Messiah, Jesus. They were Jewish guys. Jesus was Jewish, so it made sense that that was who they would go to. Those were their people. They had the same worldview, the same understanding of the Old Testament and all of that. But Jesus wanted to expand what the kingdom really was supposed to look like. And that's what this story is about this morning, Acts 10. Now, there's something about God that I want you to just keep in your mind as we progress through this, and that is that God is a welcoming God. He has a welcoming heart. I wonder if you have ever experienced a really warm welcome. It's a powerful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, Our kids have had the opportunity on several occasions to be the newbies because we've moved a lot, switch schools, all those things. It helps them grow up, build character. Um, But anyway, the second time we moved to Texas, we came to this area. Our son Ezra was uh, midway through freshman year of high school. So we came from Georgia, small school district. We came here, Klein High School, 4,000 students, four stories, didn't know one person. And that's kind of intimidating for anybody. But we just shoved him right in, said, good luck. And, uh, but he told us about this, these guys, these people on the first day he was there, some people from an English class were kind to him. They were welcoming. They asked him to sit with them at lunch. And that was huge. That was a huge blessing, profound impact on him. The power of a welcome. Maybe you started a new job and you didn't know anybody and somebody smiled, made eye contact, introduced themselves and then introduced you to the rest of the the employees, and then you went from being an outsider to being an insider. It's a beautiful thing when we are welcome. And this is the heart of God. He's a welcoming God. So keep that in your mind. 
All right, so Acts 10, we find the story of Peter, the Apostle Peter, and Cornelius. Who is Cornelius? Well, he is Roman. That's strike number one. Uh, Rome took over the world. They were conquerors. They were colonizers, uh, mostly feared and hated by the Jewish people because they forced their, you know, forced everybody to follow what they wanted, their worldview, their values. And uh, he was also a military man. He was a centurion, so that was strike two. He was part of the war machine that ruined their lives. They did not like Roman centurions. But Cornelius was not your average Roman. Despite uh, that the norm in the Roman Empire was to worship many gods, Cornelius had discovered the one true God, and he worshiped him. He had adopted the God that he learned about from the Jews. And so he aligned his life with many of their practices. Uh, in verse two, it says Cornelius was a devout man who feared God. He gave alms generously to the people and he prayed continually. So he was a good man. He was a moral man. He was a seeker of truth. And so he's praying one day. And as he's praying, he has a vision and he sees an angel. And the angel speaks to him and says, Cornelius says he was terrified and he says what and he says I have something for you I want you to go to Joppa Joppa was 30 miles south there is a man there named Peter he's staying with a tanner by the sea and he's got something to tell you can you imagine that has never happened to me while I was praying um but so he receives this message the Holy Spirit is working he immediately responds obediently he says okay he sends messengers to go and find this man Peter so they, they can bring him back to Cornelius. Meanwhile, in Joppa, Peter is there staying with a tanner. It's a leather worker. He's been uh, spreading the gospel. He's been preaching. He just raised somebody from the dead. Things are going great. Um, I mean, I, you know, it's a pretty good resume item. Um, so anyway, he's there staying with this leather worker, and it's lunchtime, but the meal is not ready, so he's getting hangry, so he goes to the roof to pray about it. And while he's there, he's praying, and he also has a vision. And in his vision, uh, it says something like a sheet comes down from the sky, and it's full of animals, all kinds of animals, uh, mammals, birds, reptiles. They're all mixed up in the sheet together. And then Peter hears a voice, and the voice says, Peter, take, kill, and eat. Now, if you know anything about Jewish law, you know about kosher diet, and you don't eat reptiles, and you don't eat a lot of certain kinds of animals. There's some you can eat, some that are not okay. And so Peter responds fervently, no, Lord, I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. I would never do such a thing. I'm a good Jewish man, which I love Peter so much. I identify with him. He was so dumb sometimes. Uh, he said, no, Lord, <laughs> which doesn't really work. You only say yes to the Lord. Yes, sir. So anyway, he's wrestling with this. He's like, I'm not gonna eat this. This, is, this can't be from the Lord. But then he has the vision three times, three times in a row, same vision. Sheep, animals, take and eat, no way. Now, three times was a thing with Peter. If you remember, when things were getting scary several years back, Jesus was arrested. People started recognizing Peter as one of his followers and he denied it. He said, I don't, I don't know that guy. I don't know what you're talking about. And it was a huge source of shame. It was, it was a failure in his life. But then after Jesus was resurrected, he reinstates Peter by asking him three times, Peter, 
Do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Every time, yes, Lord. Yes, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. That's what Jesus said. If you love me, you will love my people. That's what Jesus says to us. That is how we love him. We love his people. He was saying to Peter, you are to be marked by love. You are to be marked by open arms to people. But Peter had, he had a religious problem, right? Religion, we, we know that because look at how, how Peter responds when the voice says kill and eat. He says, I have never, I have never eaten anything unclean. I would never do such a thing. Religion focuses inward on the self, on what we do, on what rules we keep, on what we abstain from, on what we embrace. It's self-focused. But when we're love-focused, when we're so loved by God, we receive that, we give it to others, we're outward-focused. So Peter still had some things God was working on him, which is so encouraging to me, because look at what all he had seen. He had walked with Jesus. We still had stuff to learn. We still have stuff to learn. So anyway, he has this vision three times, He's trying to sort it out, what is going on, and then knock on the door. Is there somebody named Peter here? These guys from Cornelius have found him. And the Holy Spirit is talking to Peter and says, hey, I'm in this, go with these guys, I've got something to tell you. So he does, he invites them to be his guests. So you know God is changing Peter's heart because this is a really, really big deal. And this is a big deal because Jews and Gentiles did not hang out. They did not like each other. Uh, the the non-Jews generally thought the Jews were crazy religious fanatics. The Jews thought they were pagans who were going straight to hell. They didn't want anything to do with each other. There was deep enmity. There was uh, racism. There was segregation. They just didn't hang out. They did not like each other. Uh, David Guzik writes in those times, if a Jew married a Gentile, the Jewish community would have a funeral for the Jew and consider them dead. Uh, it was thought that even to enter the house of a Gentile made a Jew unclean. So we're talking deep, long-standing separation. But Jesus comes and he breaks down those walls and he tells Peter, invite them in. I love them, I made them. They're not common, they're not unclean. And so Peter's world is being rocked. But he obeys, he invites them in, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. They explain who they are, what's going on. We work for a Roman centurion. Don't you want to come meet him? He's like, oh, great. And uh, so, but he goes with them despite, I'm sure, wondering what in the world God is doing. And they make the 30-mile trip up to Caesarea, and they get there. Now, Cornelius has been waiting. And don't you know, he was like, did I imagine that vision? Was I hallucinating? Did he really say, there's somebody named Peter in Joppa and I need to go find him? He's hoping, he's believing, he's seeking truth. He wants to hear from God. And God is answering his, his prayer. And so up the walk comes this Jewish man, Peter, and his friends. And Cornelius is just overwhelmed. And he starts worshiping Peter. Uh, he kneels down. He's, oh, you know, Peter's like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just a guy. Get up. And so he goes in the house, and Cornelius has gathered all these people. He's a man of influence, and he's brought all these people in to hear what Peter has to say. In verse 28, look at what Peter says. He says, you know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So I ask you why you sent for me. Do you see the shift in Peter? 
He's like, hey, y'all know how it is. We don't talk to each other. We don't go to each other's homes. We don't mix up together. And he had to be thinking about that vision in that moment. So it wasn't really about food. It was about God's kingdom. It was about God's family, which is everyone, Jews and Gentiles together as one with unity, with a unified mission of letting the whole world know who Jesus was. And Peter's, he's starting to get it. For God so loved the world. It's not just for the Jews, it's for the whole world. So Cornelius tells Peter, I had this vision and I've been praying and I, th- I know this is the real God and I wanna know him. And so Peter shares the gospel with the group. They've never heard of Jesus. They don't know who Jesus is. And so Peter tells them, he, Jesus came and told them all about his mission, how he loved people, how he healed people, how he spoke the truth, how he was crucified, how he raised from the dead. And then he says in verse 43, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is, this is what Cornelius has been looking for, forgiveness, reconciliation, being right with God. And now Peter's telling him, this is, this is how you have it. You know Jesus. You accept him as your savior. And so at that moment, the Holy Spirit rushes in. People start speaking in tongues. They start celebrating. They start worshiping God and praising him. Do you remember Pentecost early in Acts when the Jewish believers in Jerusalem who had gathered from all over the world, they start proclaiming Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes. They can hear the gospel in their own language. It's a miracle. And God starts building the church, building his kingdom in that moment. Well, now he's replicating that with the the Gentiles. And it says the Jews that were present were astonished at what was going on because they thought it was just for them. And now suddenly they see, no, it's for Gentiles too. It's for the whole world. It's a beautiful moment of unity. It's a picture of God's kingdom. It's different nations, different tongues coming together as one. That's what the gospel does. It breaks barriers. It brings people together. It's a beautiful thing. There's so much about this story that we could spend time on, but I just wanna pull out four things for us to think about, okay? Number one, God's kingdom is for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes, doesn't matter where you're from, what you look like, what your history is. Now we love as humans, we love to divide ourselves up, don't we? I mean, you see it throughout history, sometimes it's really obvious like, you know, with segregation in in our history or with uh, currently in South Asia, you know, you have caste systems. If you're born into a lower caste in India, you stay in that caste and you die in that caste. There's no changing. The upper caste don't intermingle. There's separation, there's division. There's a hopelessness in that. The gospel says no. We are all one. We are all loved by God, made by God, made to bear his image to the world, to be his love and care and redemption and reconciliation in the world. So his kingdom is for everyone. It breaks all the barriers. when we moved to Texas for the first time, uh, we came to work at a church and our kids were young and we didn't know anybody. I'm from Georgia, my family was in Georgia, Matthew's family was in Tennessee and Arkansas, so here we come to Texas not knowing a soul. We moved in October, Thanksgiving was right around the corner and I always grew up, I have a big family, we had a big Thanksgiving. Aunts, uncles, grandparents, everybody all together. And it was great. It was a sweet time. And I was sad because I was like, we're not going to do that this year because we don't know 
anybody, and we're not going to Georgia, it's too far, too close to Christmas. So we didn't really know what Thanksgiving was going to look like that year, and this sweet family that we had just met literally a couple of weeks before invited us in to be part of their Thanksgiving, uh, to share it with their family, and they treated us just like family, and it was so sweet and so meaningful. And that happened a couple of years in a row, and then as we started meeting people, we said, you know, we want to do that for others. We want to be welcomers. We want to host. And so that year, we decided to invite everybody we knew uh, to come to our house for Thanksgiving, everybody who didn't have family around. And then we would just have a ragamuffin Thanksgiving all together. And it was honestly the best Thanksgiving. It was my favorite Thanksgiving. Don't tell my mom, but... Um, it was so beautiful because it was such, it was so mixed up. I mean, we had Scottish Dave, we had our, my friend Sharzad from Iran and her two kids, and it was just this motley crew of different people, and it was so fun and so beautiful, and I just was thinking like, this is how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be everybody together, not just everybody the same. God made all kinds of people on purpose. And he delights in the variety that he made. And he wants us all together. So his kingdom is for everyone who believes. Now, we were once outsiders, okay? And Jesus brought us in. He invited us in. He welcomed us. Uh, In the book of Ephesians, which is a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus, which had a lot of Gentiles who were non-Jews, but they're believing in Jesus. They're coming into the church. This is what he writes to them. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He's made the two groups one, meaning Jews and Gentiles. He's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose, this is so important, guys, his purpose was to create, to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. The cross is the end of hostility between races and classes and different levels of education. And it breaks all the barriers. God's kingdom is for everyone. When he died on the cross, he said, I want everybody to come in. I want everybody to be part of my family, everyone who believes. I love what Brendan Manning says about the kingdom. He says, the kingdom is not an exclusive, well-trimmed suburb with snobbish rules about who can live there. We don't know anything about that, do we, here in Spring, Texas? Uh, No, it is for a larger, homelier, less self-conscious cast of people who understand they are sinners because they've experienced the yaw and pitch of moral struggle. I had to look up y'all. But, um, but this is true, y'all. The kingdom of God is just people who've been forgiven, who've received Jesus, who've said, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you made me, that you want me to know you, that you want me to be forgiven and be free and be part of your kingdom and part of extending those hands of reconciliation. So with that in mind, point number two, we are God's welcome committee. Jesus invited Cornelius, participate with me in my kingdom. He invited Peter, participate in me, with me. I'm a peacemaker, I'm a redeemer. I want you to be that too. And he does the same for us. He welcomed us so that we can welcome others. 
We are his welcome committee. We're commissioned by God to represent him to the world, to bear his image. In our culture, y'all, people are lonely. They're isolated. You can stay in your house and have food delivered and have Amazon bring everything you ever wanted and never leave your house and never encounter another human being. You can, but that is not what we're made for. That brings loneliness and isolation. God made us to know and be known. And he made us to welcome people who are searching, people like Cornelius. They're looking for truth. They're looking for God. And so he wants us to open our arms and be welcoming. I love you people who are welcomers here. You stand at those doors and you smile and you say, we're glad you're here, welcome. That's powerful. It's really hard to come to a big church, especially if you don't know anybody. You're being Jesus to them, to whoever's coming in. Welcome, we're glad you're here. It's really important. The kingdom of God is not divided by race, class, political affiliation, or nationality. It transcends all of that. It breaks all of those barriers, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, maybe, maybe you need to go with the road to some other parts of the world and see God's kingdom in all of its beauty and splendor. It's one of my favorite things. I've learned so much from other believers in other parts of the world, and it's changed me, and it's helped me see the, the different facets of God's kingdom. It's a good thing. It's, it's what God made it for. So how do we, how do we implement this practically? Um, I think we can treat everybody we meet as a potential family member. What if we did that? What if we treated people just we meet in everyday life? Wait staff, cashiers. You know, I saw a meme the other day. It really hurt my feelings. And it was a picture of people worshiping. This was not a Christian account or anything. But it was a picture of people at church and it was like, the Applebee's crowd before they go yell at the waitress for getting their order wrong. <laughs> Which I was kind of like, ha oh, funny, but then I was like, oh, I hope that's not true. I hope we're kind to the waitress and the waiter because she's a child of God. She bears his image. Be welcoming, be kind to people. They're all loved by God. My friend uh, Elizabeth does this so well. She, she just is the kindest person and she's kind to everybody, baristas, cashiers, she's best friends with everybody. But uh, she and I work together with an organization that works in East Africa. And so one time she was over there in Uganda and um, the driver uh, was there with the team. And so he brought the team to the hotel and they were checking and she was getting everybody's keys. And he was Ugandan and he kind of was standing over to the side and so she's getting everybody's room assignments and then she starts passing out keys and she walks over and gives him a key. And he, he said, what, what is this? And she said, it's your, it's your key. What key? Your room key. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? She said, your room. You're gonna stay here with us. And he's like, are you serious? You got me a room? She said, yes, you're part of the team. Everybody's staying here. And he was just astonished because that didn't happen. People are normally like, oh, you're just the driver, who cares? But she, she saw Jesus in him. She knew that he was just as important as anybody else on the team. And she acted on it, she welcomed him, she invited him in to be one of them. Power, there's power in that. God is a welcoming God and he calls us to be welcoming people. I think what really, I mean, I, I so I want this to be in my heart, not just something I know I should do. And the Holy Spirit has to do that in me, has to do that in you. 
Uh, but it helps, I think, this is my last point, it helps to remember that we were once outsiders and Jesus brought us in. Sometimes when you're in for a while, you're coming, you got, we got a nice building, nice donuts, you know, we got technology. You kind of start feeling like we're, we're pretty cool. We've pretty, got a pretty cool thing going. We're pretty slick. Um, oh, no. <laughs> we're not. We're not. We've just been forgiven by Jesus. And we're called to open our arms to anybody who's seeking and say, you're welcome. Jesus loves you. He died for you. The other day, uh, Matthew and I watched that movie, Jesus Revolution. I don't know if y'all seen it. Uh, it's worth a watch. Uh, it's, it's really very good, actually. And it tells the story of the hippie revival in the um, 60s and 70s in America, and it follows the story of Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith was a pastor in Southern California, is still a pastor in Southern California, and he has a church that's quite small, it's kind of dwindling, it's not really very vibrant, and Chuck wears three-piece suits, and everybody in the church wears dresses and hats and suits, and they're tidy, and it's kind of sleepy, it's kind of boring, young people aren't really coming. Uh, and then one day Chuck meets Lonnie Frisbee. And Lonnie is a hippie from San Francisco, a former drug addict. But he met Jesus, and he is so in love with Jesus now. And so he, he becomes friends with Chuck, and then he starts bringing hippies to Chuck's church. And everybody's losing it in the church, because these hippies are dirty, and they got long hair, and they wear weird clothes, and they listen to weird music. And everybody thinks that the church is going down the toilet. But um, a couple of the men in the church take, Lon, take uh, Chuck aside and they're like, hey, this is not okay. You need to talk to these hippies and you need to tell them they're not, they don't belong here. They're making everybody uncomfortable and they need to go away. And their feet are dirty and they don't wear shoes and they're getting the carpet dirty. And it's really a problem. <laughs> and Chuck is like... I mean, he's conflicted because these guys pay his salary. But he sees that God is working. These young people are searching for truth. They're searching for life. They don't care about all these rules and traditions that aren't really necessary. And so he, you don't know what he's gonna do. You know, is he gonna capitulate to the old stodgy people in the church or is he gonna welcome the hippies? And in the next scene, you see this line of hippies and you see Chuck kneeling and washing their feet and saying, welcome to church. I'm so glad you're here. And it's so beautiful because that's what Jesus did for us. We were dirty-footed hippies. We didn't belong. We were outsiders. And Jesus said, you're welcome into my family. He left heaven and he came to earth and washed our feet. And he said, I want you to wash each other's feet. And I want you to welcome anybody who wants to come, anybody who's searching for truth. They're searching for me. They're searching for love. They're searching for belonging. And I'm the answer. And you're my representatives. So welcome them. And church, that is who God has called us to be. He's called us to be welcomers to reflect his heart of welcome and love to outsiders. Jesus modeled this. I think it just took a little while for the disciples to catch on that they're supposed to do the same thing. It's easy to think of ourselves as insiders and other people as outsiders. People maybe who 
vote differently, people who have a different education level or different background or look different or whatever. Let the gospel break down those barriers in your heart so that you can welcome whoever is searching into the family. That's, that's what God made us for. That's what he wants for us, church. And I love, love, amen. I love that. I love, I love that we do that. I love that when I look around, we don't all look the same. We don't all have the same story, but we are made by the same God and loved by him. I love it so much. I'm so grateful. So we're going to pray and then we're going to worship together in both venues. Um, Would you pray with me? Lord, I want to pray for a couple of groups of people. Maybe there's people who hear my voice who have never themselves received your welcome in the first place. And maybe they're still trying to earn your love. They're still trying to earn their way in through religion or behavior or whatever. Lord, would you, would you give them the courage to just step into your welcoming arms? Because you are waiting and you love them. And then there are those of us too, God, and we just need you, Holy Spirit, to just bring up and expose anything in our heart that is not aligned with you in this area. God, if there is prejudice in our heart, if there's you know, that tendency to, to put people in categories of us and them, God, would you free us from that? Would you give us your heart for anybody who's searching? Teach us to be people who are welcoming. Teach us to be people who love like you love, who don't judge on the outward appearance, but who try to look at the heart. We love you. We thank you. We depend on you, Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name.